If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. So with our panel, Alyssa Freeman, Rocco Rossi, and John Carmichael. John, you're also the uh, CEO of the Ontario Motor Vehicle Industry Council. Rocco Rossi is the CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Alyssa, of course, is a PR and pop culture media expert. So I've got to ask you about this story today out of Ohio, where uh, Magna's opened a, a new seating business. Uh, this is in Lancaster, Ohio. The company's uh, building a 150,000-square-foot facility with an ini- initial investment of approximately $60 million. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence was there. Uh, and I know from inside folks who are affiliated with this story that uh, it was a big deal. Don Walker, the CEO of Magna, was in Washington, and uh, they were talking about, you know, NAFTA 2.0. And uh, anyway, so they turned this into a big announcement because, well, 300-plus jobs are going to be in Ohio. And I get it that Magna, I mean, uh, you know, one of the world's biggest automobile uh, parts manufacturers. But is this a signal that, you know, the jobs are going to be lost. I mean, America first is the buy policy for Donald Trump. But they want, you know, if this is where you're going to service the customers, the clients, and build the cars, you know, as a supplier. I guess you're going to have to be located there under this regime. Uh, Rocco, let's throw it around the horn quickly. What does that foretell of uh, Canadian manufacturing and industry when we come to uh, things like NAFTA 2.0? Look, it, uh, it's not just the, the regime. I mean, we... We, yes, we have to do things around the issue of competitiveness, but the reality in areas like um, auto manufacturing is in a world of just-in-time inventory and transportation and so on, you simply have to locate, as a major parts manufacturer, uh, you're going to have some of your production near where your products are going to go. It just makes absolute sense to be caught on a bridge or on the 401 in some truck. And this is one of the costs of congestion as well as taxation and other things um, is that you have to locate nearer so that you can participate in just-in-time inventory. Uh, and John, what does it say for the automotive industry domestically though? Well, I, th- I think it's a really uh, dark cloud. I mean, you look at the General Motors announcement earlier this year and to all those parts manufacturers that are in that cluster that Rocco is talking about, it, it's a serious opportunity to, uh, for, it, it, it's a road to failure if you stay. And so uh, they have to be in the cluster around the, uh, these, these uh, manufacturers uh, to meet that inventory demand. But I think it's a further issue. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a real problem for this province. You know, you look at the premier, you look at what we're dealing with here, you've got, Investment fleeing the country in a hurry. Yes, they go to the U.S. Yes, the the you know the I, and and I'm fine on the the auto sector doing what they're doing when, when you when you move that that uh, cluster down there. But we're losing industry here in this province for energy, for taxes, for all the wrong reasons, and we've got to find a way to attract people. And I don't think we're doing that in a very effective way. We're being a high becoming a high tech uh, draw. Yes, that's good. That's a start. But the traditional manufacturing and and big ticket manufacturing is not staying in Canada, and that's a uh, that's a um, 
I think a, a black star over the uh, over the current federal government, and I don't know how with the debt we're accumulating, you're going to turn that around because you're you're going to continue to force taxes, all the different things that uh, really push industry away. Let me ask Rocco. You said something interesting. Obviously, congestion is also robbing us of productivity. Uh, this is interesting because QP2, the local two, is going after Doug Ford. They're promising uh, to take down Doug Ford. Those are their words. Uh, and what they're hoping for, these are the electrical workers that work with the TTC, about 650 of them. And they feel that uh, by uploading the TTC to the province, this is just a way of introducing privatization. Their jobs are going to be in a precarious position. They'd like to also see uh, free public transit free public transit, they say that would be a boost to the economy. Can you square that? They say everybody would be taking transit, they wouldn't be using the roadways, uh, and uh, then people would have more money to spend because transit would be free and the money would go into the economy. Okay, tell it to the people who are jammed in the young line uh, every morning and every afternoon that suddenly there are going to be even more people. We need a ton more transit uh, and someone's going to have to pay for it. Free is really not an option in the near term if we're going to build the infrastructure that we need, and we desperately need. Um, so that that's just, um, it's wishful thinking that's not rooted in economic reality. Alyssa, I don't know if you wanted to weigh in on this, but I mean, free public transit as a mantra, I mean, this is a union now. Uh, it looks to me like all they're concerned about is really saving their own jobs. It is, but the unions have been giving, you know, especially Doug Ford, a real run for the money in their recent campaigns, and and uh, they've been actually quite effective in their narrative. I have to say that this one is one is one that I can't get behind. I am always glad that I'm at the top of the line so I can get a seat, but by the time I get to union, it's ugly. And if you're going during rush hour, it's even uglier. There's not a space to move. I would reduce rates in the off hours. I think there are things that you can do and that... Pricing should be on distance, and there there are all kinds of other things. But free, well, plenty of cities do that actually. Free, price based on freeze distance, freeze a problem. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, the Ford government has been the one positive voice in uploading of transit to create infrastructure spending to get more more uh, more subway lines built. Get the, the, they say they can do them faster for less yeah. money. I'd like to see it, but we need it. It's and the level of government with the money to be able to absolutely. do it. And we need the infrastructure spending from the feds, which I understand has been shortchanged. So I, I think we've got to get governments working together, create the infrastructure that uh, um, environment that's going to get these built, get the, the, uh, the, uh, the secondary lines in place. I mean, look at Eglinton. Uh, you look at that that line now. It was originally going to be a three to four year process. Mm. I think is stretching well beyond five years now. It's, it's crazy. A mess. It, it is and, an absolute and mess. And what's that done to the city for congestion and all the things you're talking about? It's it's a it's a horrific mess. Yeah, I think the projected date now is 2022. You mentioned the environment. That's a big ticket item coming up in the election. And uh, Elizabeth May is crowing about their uh, recent results in the polls, which may have eclipsed the NDP, and she figures, you know, she could be the king or the queen maker here uh, in terms of a swing vote, just like you see with Horgan out there, the NDP beholden to the Greens, three green uh, seats out in B.C. and had huge power. Well, yeah, it's a tail wagging the proverbial dog. So uh, how would a minority government beholden to the Greens or even the independents? There's going to be a couple of those in the House. If it's razor thin and it's only a couple, three seats... 
uh, if it came down to a razor thin and he had yeah. one or two it's seats. 3.3, so that's a yeah, double digit. I was going to say 1.5. <laughs> I don't know how we got to 3%. <laughs> well, no, on that point, though, whether or not, you know, somebody holds inordinate power because they're uh, holding a swing vote, uh, what would that mean if the Greens were the ones in charge? Elizabeth May had that. She said, uh, effectively, she would put a knife to their throats and say, uh, you've got to be uh, hardcore on climate, no pipelines, you know, let's get off fossil fuels and so on and so forth. I mean, how does a political party work their way around that uh, impracticality? Well, it's a huge uh, hypothetical situation that's been real at many times in different jurisdictions uh, in Canada and elsewhere. And um, the issue, though, is that they have to look at what the costs down the line also, yes, it may keep them in power for one or two votes, but if you're constantly putting the knife to the throat, someone's going to call you uh, on it. And today what's interesting is uh, Horgan is well beyond the time when he's afraid of the Greens bringing him down because his polling and the polling that's available now will show him sweeping out the Greens uh, in the next provincial election. So you you have to be careful. Pick which are the hills uh, that you're going to uh, uh, have the fight on and be willing to die on uh, because you're going to have to live with that and go into a general election having done something. Well, I mean, Andrew Scheer, if he were to become the prime minister in a minority government, a situation, or it's, you know, uh, on the, and they need a couple, three votes, and the Greens represent those, John Carmichael, how do you yeah, think I don't, I don't see a lot of cooperation between the no. Greens and the Conservatives, but uh, if the Liberals are a minority, and that's a possibility if he gets back in, I don't see him in majority territory, but if he's in a minority... And uh, and Elizabeth May has those swing votes. I think any energy crisis we've experienced to this point in time, carbon taxes and all of the rest, uh, look out, just buckle up because it's only going to get worse. All right. She could be a linchpin and really sink, tank the economy <laughs> by being, well, what do we call it, obdurate or stubborn, Alyssa? Yes, she could. I mean, Elizabeth May, I I, I don't know. I mean, you know, when I... It, it, you know, when I see this article and she says, I can't be scripted, nobody's going to tell me what to say, I really like to, like, just, just shoot from the hip, that is the most frightening thing of all. And uh, I think that, it, yes, it's maybe a little pie in the sky that she could, you know, ho- hold us over a barrel with respect to uh, climate, but I, I can't, I don't even want to imagine it, quite frankly. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.